Like, I landed on a string. This is the amazing. This is it. I got it. <laughs> Holy crap, we got it. It's alive. Hello and welcome to The Fizzle Show. We have uh, built our businesses and found a way to pay for our gluten-free crackers doing stuff we love. And we're here to tell you how. No BS. Just some real and honest conversation from earnest entrepreneurs. That is The Fizzle Show. Your hosts are Corbett Barr, the smart one, Caleb Wojcik, the deep one, and me, Jace Reeves, the, uh, the caffeinated one. In this third and final installment of the uh, the Meet the Hosts series, we're going to dig into Caleb's story, okay? From corporate drudgery to a trembling midnight car ride to a connected and successful blogger. We're going to connect the dots here in this conversation. There are some great tips on how he did it. He's got a really relatable story I think you're going to enjoy. And at the end... We're going to speak a little bit about what you can continue to expect from this show over the long haul and why the name's kind of weird. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps, so let's get into it. Yeah, and I started working with Corbett, was it August 2011, part-time, yep. and then went to full-time a little bit after that. And we You were, you were underage, too. right? You were underage. You were underage. 13 at the time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those tiny little hands. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to hear from Caleb, like what it looks like. Okay, uh, let me interview you as if I don't work at that insanely useful media, think traffic, fizzle, expert enough, whatever you want to call right, it. That's right. Um, <clears throat> Caleb, what do you do for this company that you work for? Like, why do they need three people? What what do you do? Like, what's the, how do you guys divide things up? And like, what does it look like from the inside? Yep. Well, on my end, I do a lot of the content. So anything we publish for free or courses that come out, things like that. I work with the schedule and working with anyone that's doing anything for us. So if we have guest courses that are being made, I typically work with those people, edit the video, things like that. Guest posts that come through, I do a lot of that work. Um any support email usually comes to me first unless you guys are in there. So if so anybody that has so any of our tens of thousands of customers who have an issue, you're the guy back there yeah. handling them. Professionally. Do we have emailing. that many customers? Professionally they- emailing. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about this. So we have had at least five thousand customers 5, in the 000. in the company's history. Really? Yeah. Wow. And so, so, but, but I don't want it to sound like you're just, you're just like running interference on some of these things. Cause you also do a lot of writing at Think Traffic. Yeah. So you, I write there. Um, you also made some great courses within Fizzle. Um, and yeah, what have you, you've done like three or four courses in Fizzle? Podcasting, now? Google Analytics. What was the other one? Twitter. Yeah. So, and I see your mind as, as, and you and Corbett, that's why you guys have the, uh, the revenue and the, and the money and the whatever meetings without me is because you guys can both, you're at home in a spreadsheet. You're very, you're analytical and systematic in, in some ways. And that's what I see, see as like a real talent of yours to pull things through to, uh, to, to like actually get them done. Well, you I, know, mean, versus- I have like six years of business education traditionally too, before doing all this yeah. entrepreneurship stuff. So what, let's go back. Where did you study? Uh, I went to undergrad at Michigan State University. And I started off in like computer and tech and thought I wanted to do computer science programming and stuff. But I ended up dual majoring in telecommunications, which is computers, TV, media, radio, that sort of stuff. And then my second major was in supply chain management, which was in the business college. And which I had comes a, in handy a lot here, right? Just you know, hey, where are we going to get those tent <laughs> no, poles? No, crates are stuck in the ocean. <laughs> yeah. So, wait, so back how then, are we going to get those bits from? <laughs> yeah. So back here then, to what, China. what were you thinking of? What were you thinking you uh, maybe wanted to do? What was well, your idea then? Well, my dad was always an entrepreneur, and we lived in a very seasonal part of Michigan, meaning it was very busy in the summer and not busy in the winter. Okay. And so work was up and down. He was a musician. He was a photographer. And I saw the the ebbs and flows of being an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and the kind of toll it took like on my parents' marriage. Yeah. And so I didn't really want that. I wanted to have a steady job. My whole focus in college was to build up like this perfect resume being in groups, getting a good like GPA, having internships. And so I worked at like the ABC sports station in my college town. I covered professional and collegiate sports. 
I worked at General Motors for a summer. I worked at Boeing for a summer. And like my whole, I guess my whole like educational professional focus in college was just to get like a comfortable job. Yeah. And and I graduated in 2008. And so I'm kind of glad that that was my focus because tons of my friends didn't get jobs or ended up having to go to grad school because they couldn't find work. So I'm glad that I did that. But once I was in that job at Boeing in 2008, I worked in finance and my role was to work on employment. And we like three months into this job there, we had to lay off like 10,000 people at Boeing. So you, so you started and three weeks later, you had to lay off like 10% of all yeah, employees. Like I started in May and then like August or September. So it was like three months later, we had to lay off 10,000 people in all of Boeing. And my job was I had spreadsheets that had numbers that were actual people. And then they were feathered down in each group, like, who are we going to lay off and what group is this going to be laid off in? Jeez. And I, you know, at 21, I'm like, okay, so this is corporate life, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Um, what company I, was that at? Boeing. At Boeing? Yeah, up in Seattle. And I survived those layoffs, but my mind, like, switched right then. I was like, okay, I need to start looking out for myself. And something that we talked about in the previous episode is, like, I need to start having many bosses instead of one boss. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So hold on, though. There's there's a lot of stuff here. So you first of all, you moved from Michigan to Washington. How was mm-hmm. that? It's fine. I always you moved knew that for I wanted the job? to. Yeah, I moved after college for the job. I always knew I wanted to leave the town I was from, move to another state. Michigan's a great place to be from, is what I always tell people. So. Yeah. And now, uh, your wife Jen. Where where did you meet her? I met her while I was in Seattle. Okay, in Seattle. Okay, yeah. I didn't. Okay. And then, real, real quick, uh, hold on, t- take a little sidetrack with me. When you were in high school, like, what kind of kid were you? Were you like, uh, wh- 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 what, what clothing were you wearing? <laughs> oh man, um, I don't think I was wearing corduroys anymore. Okay, corduroys Good. were big in middle school. I'm, I'm all for corduroys, by the way. But I really liked wind pants in middle school too. Wait, 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 wait. What's a wind pant? <laughs> They're kind of like hammer pants. You don't remember like the full on wind suits where you had the jacket and the pants? Oh, oh yeah, where it was just like a nylon suit. material. That was, was like all suit. I wanted to wear in like third grade. We call them tracksuits. Tracksuit, really? But you not look velour. like a knacker in Ireland. You look like a. <laughs> but not velour, like that plastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like a nylon yeah. sort of thing. It made cool yeah. noises when you ran. Yeah. So in high school, that's all you wanted to no, wear. No, that was like elementary school. Oh, let's back. <laughs> let's go a little further in time. So in high school, as your uh, as your psyche sort of developed to the to the poignancy of like, oh my god, who? Yeah, am who'd I? you ide- who'd you identify with? Yeah, who were you? Journalist. Jock. I was was kind of a cross between a jock because I played lots of sports. Uh Um, I played pretty much every sport growing up. But and by the way, I got to say, like Caleb is a damn fine soccer player. We got a chance to kick the ball around. So I played soccer. Yeah, and I played tennis and like went to states and tennis and stuff. And so I was in that jock crowd. But then I was nerdy too because I was taking college level computer classes and more like tech stuff too. So got it. It's kind of so you're a hard guy to nail down. Like I couldn't just look at you and be like, oh. There's the uh, there's the gutter punk, or up. Oh, there's the uh, the Kanye West fan, or up. Oh, there's the uh, right the jock kid. You were you you might like look look at you had like the Letterman or the Le- what, Letterman jacket. What do we call these? The, the that's what they're called. Yeah. Letterman, Letterman, as in David Letterman. Yeah, incredible. That's what they're called. All right. So you had the I did, why is it, my, I'm like having a fugue state moment <laughs> where I'm just like no, it couldn't be. But uh, okay, so let's let's so, go back. Let's go back to to Seattle. Yeah, and and I want to know something. So you studied supply chain management, and mm-hmm. um, what was the other thing? Telecommunications. Telecom. Yeah. Telecom, which is pretty pretty vague. But you ended up in finance. How does that work? It was just my first job after college. I mean, I interned with Boeing in a supply chain job, and then I got offered a few jobs. But I wanted to be in Seattle, and some of the other ones were other parts of the country. Yeah, so I took the finance one, kind of held on to it when the economy tanked. I was in that job for a year and a half, two years, and then the only other job I could get within Boeing to advance my career was another finance job. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I was in. So did you do finance the whole time you were at Boeing? Yeah, all three and a half years. And you were there for three and a half years. Wow! And you have another degree, so you decided to get another degree on top of it, right? So yeah. That fall, right after I graduated, I went and got my MBA because Boeing would pay for a good chunk of it. So I figured if I was going to be in this corporate world, get my MBA out of the way before I had a family. All right. And so so how much how much of that. this fancy pants, Mr. College Boy stuff 
do you end up actually using in a day-to-day in your day-to-day roles as writing headlines, writing posts, figuring out uh, who's going to write what, doing the schedule, putting together a course within Fizzle, setting up a podcast, all these other things. How much of that school stuff ends up, do you, do you end up applying? Well, in telecom, I mean, I took classes in video production, audio production, web design, programming, all that kind of stuff, but it was really surface level. Yeah. And so I would go to the computer lab when I was in college and I would watch lynda.com tutorials back in like 2002 or three on how to use Dreamweaver and make Mm. websites and stuff. And so in a way, all that stuff kind of still applies because I'm doing those things now, but I wouldn't say that I learned how to do the things. Well, and thank God you learned Dreamweaver. I mean, Oh, I know. Where would we all be? Right. So, but, but like, and same thing with like my education, like I don't use quote unquote any of that now, but I'm super glad that I did it because so much of me developed during that time. Do you yeah, feel the exactly. same way? Was it a good good environment for you for those years? Yeah, and especially all the business stuff and financial and accounting and marketing and all that stuff, especially yeah. when Corbin and I do strategy meetings or revenue stuff. Like, we just call them strat meets. Strat meets. When, we, when, you, when you, you and Corbin synergize like nobody else, like nobody's <laughs> business. <laughs> um, okay, uh, that's good to hear because I, that's the way I feel about you know, higher education. I don't want to slag it off and say, don't ever do it or this, that, or the other. Um, even though like, yeah, I, I don't, you know, my kid, I don't know if I'm going to tell him to go to school or what, like we live right over by UC Berkeley and I'm, and I kind of hope he chooses that and, and that'd be cool. I know that he's going to go somewhere and he's going to find, he, I, I want him to find out who he is, whether that's traveling Europe or whether that's, you know, going to school and forcing me to pay loads of money for him to sit and fart around and eat pizza with girls in stairways of dorms. Yeah. You know what I mean? He needs that time to develop. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, okay, so we did the schooling, we did the Boeing. You, at a certain point, you kind of got tired of this cubicle job, didn't you? Yeah. What happened? Well, it, it was And this was seriously a cubicle job, right? Yeah. <laughs> what was your work environment? Um, it was like half cubes, so I had like three or four people within arm's length yeah. of me, I would say. Okay. And looked at spreadsheets and PowerPoint all day. You can't even pull up a cat gif in that sort of situation, can you? No, it's tough. <laughs> How do you even survive that? Okay. I mean, so what we happened? had like we had like privacy screens because it was all like confidential information. Oh yeah, you know, those, all sky, those things you can't see when you're coming at it from an angle, huh? It's mm-hmm. like that's that's important. That's the sound of a privacy screen. I've never heard them make. It's sound just before. yeah, literally. It's just two, two. Have you ever seen somebody on an airplane with one of those? Like no. with that, they have that stuff over their screen, so you can't see it unless yeah. you're directly on. It's that's a privacy screen. Yeah, yeah. We all had that at Boeing. Nice. Oh, they must have spent a lot of money on you guys. So okay, let's, on privacy screens. So yeah. what was so bad about this? This sounds. Not, I mean, yeah, yeah. You're in a privacy screen cubicle, whatever. It doesn't have to be all that bad. What was so bad about it? Uh, I think the biggest part was that I didn't feel like I was accomplishing anything from day to day. Do you feel like you had things you already knew you wanted to do? I was searching for it. Yeah. You know, I thought I wanted to go back to school for film school. I looked, I like went to USC and was looking at film school, mm-hmm. even after my MBA, to figure out what I wanted to do. Yeah. And how I got into this whole blogging entrepreneurship sphere was I graduated with my MBA and I was like, okay, I don't want to work in a corporation, what do I want to do? And so I spent time making an app with some of my friends and that fell through. I looked to see if I want to go to film school and then I kind of stumbled onto this blogging thing because I had been following personal finance bloggers and people mm-hmm. like Chris Gillibo. Interesting. So you're you're a product of Chris Gillibo and and who else? JD Roth. Yep. I would say those would be the two biggest ones. Okay. Now you have a website called Pocket Change. Is that when that started? Around that time? Yeah, so I started that in December of 2010. So, okay, very interesting. So you you had just had like a hunger, similar to me, like where it was just like, I don't really know what it's going to be. I've got these things I can do. Um, it's interesting to me, you were, you were interested in going to film school. You know, that, that's a pretty big step. You know, I think a lot of people do that and then, you know, still end up getting back into a cubicle job somewhere and finding mm-hmm. safety and security. But um, but that shows you've got these like artist sensibilities in there as well. Like you, and, and you always do geek out about the video stuff, and 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 you're always there with all the technical answers that that for the questions that we have. So you've mm-hmm. obviously got the skills in that stuff, and then you just kind of slid into writing at pocketchanged.com. Is that right? Yep. Pocketchanged.com. And uh, and so what was that like? Did it, did it take off right away? No, I, it was definitely slow 
going at the beginning. I wrote every day for 50 straight days just to get myself in the habit of it. Mm -hmm. So even on weekends, I was publishing stuff. And that got me in the habit of writing and then starting to connect with other bloggers, which was really the catalyst for like any growth at all was like meeting other bloggers online, commenting on their stuff, interacting with them, joining mastermind groups. Okay, this is getting interesting. Hold on. So we're talking about you just getting started now. And I think a lot of people resonate or they're at that spot, right? Mm -hmm. So looking back on your thing, what do you think were the one to four most, I don't know, just interesting or good things that you did during that time? Like you mentioned this 50 days of writing. Mm -hmm. Um, What other other things do you think were were good that you did? And maybe what mistakes did you make? I think that one of the best things I did was I started to like feature other people that inspired me on my blog. So Mm -hmm. if they wrote something in particular, I would write like an editorial based on that and link to them and then they would end up sharing it. And that really helped. Yeah. So instead of just going and reading something and commenting or something, what do you say? What do you mean when you say editorial? What's an editorial? So if someone wrote a topic about why you should work for yourself or something like that, then I would take some of their quotes and some of the stuff they talked about and then write about it deeper. Okay. And give my spin on it. And, you know, I think that it's really hard to come up with a ton of original content at the beginning because you're just going to seem like you're copying people. Yeah. But the way to not copy people is to acknowledge that, yes, this person wrote this thing and then I'm going to give my take on it. Yeah, totally. So okay. that definitely helped at the beginning. What else? What, what else were you doing that, that you felt ended up being an important thing? I think the biggest thing was joining a mastermind group of people that were around the same level as me. And mastermind is just a fancy name for like a handful of people who have ambition and goals that are loosely tied together. And then meet on a regular basis to talk about goals. So we got on Skype like once a week, talked about what was working, what wasn't. We shared our next project or we helped share each other's posts. Can you share who was in that? Anybody that we know or that you still talk about? Um, Danny Aini was in it actually. Uh And I actually joined that group because I was in traffic school which oh, was yeah. Corbett's program, the first time it went out in like March of 2011. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so so the first time I like encountered Caleb, he was basically one of two or three star students in the first like big program that I released. In, he was in, a star student. He, he looks like a... I'm just looking at him now. He looks like a star student. So I, so I met Caleb in, in March. I met him online in March of 2011, and he had a blog that was about three months old or so, and he wanted to grow that blog. He was really ambitious about it. And he had been writing every day for 50 days. So he huh. here he had this like brand new blog, and yet there were like 70 posts on it or something at the time. The only problem it. was that the kid only wore track suits. Yeah, that part was <laughs> It was weird. really disconcerting and hard to, to reach that next level. But eventually we got him to change his clothes. And that was the only thing I was trying to sell, too, was track, <laughs> track suits. Yeah. <laughs> no, but the other, <laughs> Never mind. The, the other thing that, I, that, I, that took me right away was... Um, the branding and just the way he put it together. So here huh. he had this clever little thing called Pocket Changed, which is about personal finance, but it's also about finding your way as the young, you know, twenty something in yeah. the new in the new, you know, entrepreneurship sort of career, whatever that menagerie is. Yeah. And um it just kind of bridged the gap between personal finance and career stuff. And it was really interesting and and it was kind of a fresh take on it. And I really liked the branding and um Caleb worked his ass off and and you had some pretty re- good results there for the next few months, didn't you? Yeah, and I started earning affiliate income pretty early on recommending other people's stuff um, and got featured on some blogs like Get Rich Slowly and stuff. So that helped. But really, it was just it was just hustling. I was just working super hard to make it work. And at that point, did you feel like you had landed on the thing? Like, this was you. This is what I'm here for. And that's what made, that's what made you hustle because you were all in? Or was it just like, a, I, I don't know, it's what I am. It's what I got right now. So I'm just going to hustle until it feels right. It was more the latter. It was like, I feel comfortable talking about this thing and I can share my experiences with it because I I had gotten myself out of like $30,000 of debt. So I had a lot of stories to tell about how I did it and things like that. And I was going into the transition of wanting to be an entrepreneur and playing through some of those things that Corbett said he was writing about when he was in Mexico like, what does it really mean, and why do yeah. I want to be an entrepreneur, and things like we, that? We all, I mean, we should we should notice that that we all started basically talking out loud, having that kind of. We wanted to talk about that stuff. We yeah. were, and I think it's very common. Most people have these sorts of, or many people have these kinds of existential questions. What do I mean when I say existential? I don't know if I really mean that. 
Uh, I, what I really mean is like, who am I? What am I here for? Yeah, you know what I mean? Turning point sort of question. Because we know we look, we're, we're hitting 25 and we look at like, I'm going to be working for the next, you know, 30 or 40 years of my life. You know what I mean? What, what's this all about? You know what I mean? I'm going to be sitting here just plowing a field. Do I own that field? Is that near my house? Like, like what kind of crops brings up from it? You know, all of these questions that come around the concept of career and work. And, and for me, you know, being the, the, the previous Jesus guy and we're sort of seeing other people now, but so much of my questioning went from, you know, who am I? Is there a God? And, and, and does, does he like us? And, I kind of am convinced on most of that stuff, uh, or or on the importance and or, or lack thereof of of that stuff, and landed more strongly really once I hit like around twenty eight on this like I'm going to have to plow fields for the rest of my life. So which free, which field is it going to be? What crop? Where? What kind of climate am I talking about? Like, I, I, who am I? What am I here for? I can choose. We can choose where we work. You know what I mean? And I feel like those career questions just become so freaking tangible that when you land on something like a pocket change or for me father apprentice when you start to see that impact that you can have on other the traffic goes up you get the emails like dude thank you for telling me how you did this or whatever this was super helpful or all this other stuff the wheels start clicking just sort of one at a time slowly but surely over time based on just writing about your own personal experience and in some ways we look at like a lot you know we get a lot of inquiries from people who are like, yeah, I'm starting a blog and, and, and about, I think, you know, like life hacking or helping people find their passions or, or like, you know, doing work that matters or, or all this, this kind of stuff. It's like we get a lot of those things, people requesting that. And, mm-hmm. and it's real easy to get like, dude, you know, you're going to have to, I hope you're all in because you're going to have to work at that over time. It's becoming a very complicated and popular yeah. space. Um, but it's exactly where all of us started. Not that we had, not that our site was, you know, finding your passion and this, that, and oh, the mine, other. Mine was, yeah, yours was, yeah. Um, and I tried to, I focused on on just on dads, but it was just, a, it was a foil for asking those questions. Yeah, and Caleb's was personal finance. I, I think it's also interesting that we all did stuff in the past yeah. that was less successful than when we started blogging. Oh yeah, and not that, not that the blog necessarily directly led to whatever we ended up doing, but it helped us realize that if you put out information and help people, yeah. they're going to look to you for answers. Mm-hmm. And so you could be the person to provide those. It helps you with making all these connections and yep. just putting the pieces together, you know? Yeah, and, and it really is those steps on steps on steps on steps. Yeah. Like going back in time and just seeing how easy it was for you to be like, yeah, fire up a WordPress blog. You you had seen it before. Pick a topic. And you're just yeah. riding through Mexico writing about it. You know what I mean? And yep. just same thing with you, Caleb, where it's like, you know, just fire up this blog and do this thing. Cause I had saw, I saw Chris Gillibo. He somehow he got up on your radar when you were searching something for like how to work for myself or want to kill myself. Hate yeah, my how job. Did, how did that happen? Do you remember? Do you remember what you were searching? Like the first time I found him. Yeah. yeah or yeah, probably through get rich slowly, but I have an interesting story. So Chris Gillibo was on his book tour for his first book, art and nonconformity. Uh-huh. And he was coming to Seattle and I literally bought my domain so that I could tell him what it was. There was nothing on my site. It was like, <laughs> hello world, you know, like yeah, the, yeah. the standard post or whatever. But I bought it so that I could tell him that I had it. That's awesome. And now like we're friends. I've had him on my podcast. I go to his conference, stuff like that. Yeah, so, nice. I think one, another thing that another thing that's resonating on the bottom or, or a frequency underneath all of our conversations as we have interviewed each other as well is that meeting people thing mm-hmm. like you put yourself in a position Caleb to actually meet Gillibo and then and then like slowly a relationship percolates over time same thing with me somehow being at, at the place where I met Corbett you know what I mean which which was a long at the end of a long line of meeting a lot of other people over the past you know yeah. five years putting yourself in places where you're actually Absolutely. going to connect with people because you know to me we 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 uh, we're going to get into you know in a little bit wh- why we named the podcast what we did, but one of the things we almost named it was all in, because this has become the picture for me of like if you wanted to do film school, Caleb, you know where in the world you need to be to do that. Yeah, you, there's there's no freaking question, and either you're there slogging it, and you look at the next Vancouver, BC, ten fifteen years of your life <laughs> in LA, saying like I'm going to be a waiter for fifteen years, working my arse off, trying yeah, well, to figure that was the thing. 
you know, Jen went and she looked at UCLA. She was going to go to grad school. Yeah. I looked at USC and I was like, all right, we got to see, do we love Los Angeles? Because this is where I'm going to be if I do film school and I'm yep. going to do this thing. And I so. think the intelligence around knowing the realities of what it looks like to go all in on that, right? Um, same thing with the blogging thing. What it looks like to do the all in on this is not that you do a bunch of work to find the right idea and do the thing. It's that, number one, you've already started it. You've already started it. Even if it's a small little you know thing, that doesn't, you've already started. It doesn't matter because you're going to parlay that into some other experience, you yeah. Know what I mean, and then number two, you're where the people you go where the people and are. That's, that's the thing that that's a like a very subtle but important distinction between a lot of people. There mm. are some people who just say, "I'm going to start doing and figure out yeah. the direction later," and there are other people who never get started because they haven't like nailed it. They don't feel like they have yeah. the right direction yet. And so often we hear people's stories where. Just because you started walking in a direction, yeah. that led to something. Oh. And because, and so I think it's, it's number one, you've already started. And number two, you've started making connections with people. Yeah. Because just like, you know, like Dinsmore's famous story about meeting you and Leo, Scott Dinsmore of Live Your Legend, he just like was like, I want to do this. I don't, you know, he, he had like a successful like hedge fund thing going on. I don't know. He wears boat shoes. But uh, he, he had this successful like, he, you know, he's a really bright guy with finances. Yeah. And he's like, I just want to write start a blog. You know what I mean? And so, and he looked at what it looks like, essentially, the way I picture it, is he looks at what it looks like to go all in on that. So yeah. he started meeting with, kind of, Caleb, to your point on masterminds, with you, Corbett, and with uh, Leo, and getting to know like bloggers that were in his area and just once you start to see the pot what life looks like for them like is my point yesterday about apprenticing under somebody mm -hmm. and stop making all those mistakes or do you you'll just your eyes will open so far up yeah so that's i guess that's one thing that you sparked to me clearly i should stop talking now but but that that <laughs> that concept of of like you were at this place that Gilbo was was talking about for his book because you knew about Gilbo because you mm -hmm. knew about jd roth because you were investigating this space and you were had these earnest questions about who the hell am I and what the f do I want to do with my life? Yeah. You know what I mean? Those are the kinds of questions I want, you know, that I think the best entrepreneurs arise out of. You know what I mean? Here in San Francisco, I just got coffee at this place where everybody's got their freaking startup shirt on or whatever. And, you know, that you could tell who's like, you know, on biz dev and who's in marketing or whatever, you know, and it just feels like such a scene in some ways. There's this such an industry of all this business and, and baloney out there and it's all good and fine whatever but i so see all these people like you caleb and me and and corbett when we got started we were asking like who am i and what do i want to do when i grow up yeah you know what i mean like so and putting it out there in public which is a really powerful thing so let's let's keep connecting the dots here yeah um so one other question caleb before you move forward okay so you're at boeing you started a blog you're starting to see some traction from it which is really cool um you said, oh, I got featured on Get Rich Slowly. Like, that was a small thing. For people that don't know, Get Rich Slowly is like the biggest personal finance blog there is, right? They have millions of people visiting every mm -hmm. month. Mm -hmm. You got featured on there. How did that happen? They just ran like a video contest and I did a submission. Mm -hmm. And it was like, tell your story or how Get Rich Slowly influenced you. And so I like set up a camera, super nervous, told my story about how it influenced me, how I paid off debt, stuff like that. Yeah. Nice. And I ended up getting some traffic, some good subscribers, and that was just like, you know, one little blip that helped growth. That's yeah. awesome. You know, I would like the reminds me of this Derek Halpern competition that he just did, right? Where tell me, you know, he he gets on and says, "Tell me who you are and wh why you want to go to this event or whatever." And I did this Herrick Dalpern impersonation or whatever, which was so much fun. But I went and I and I watched all these videos of people putting their, you know, putting their ass on the line and out there and just saying like, hey, I want to come to this thing, watch them get creative and clearly being nervous or someone being real confident or whatever. And it just takes so much guts to do that, to put your, you know, to put yourself in that sort of situation. You mm -hmm. know, some of those people might, might like, I do videos on my blog, I'm very comfortable with it. Yeah. But mo so many of them, it was like their first video they've ever made or you know what I mean? Yeah, and I love that the answer, that Caleb's answer is so simple because a lot of times people think, oh, he must have known someone or he got a lucky break or whatever. Yeah. No, it's really simple. There are opportunities out there. Someone's coming to your city. Show up and shake their hand and say yeah. hello. Somebody has a contest. Put an entry in there. Yeah, you know what it reminds know? me of? Bob from uh, Mad Men. Are you watching? You're not watching Mad Men, Corbin. No, don't ruin it for me. I, I, I am, not. but not this season. Oh, yeah. Well, well, there's a character called Bob. There's nothing to ruin here. Okay. Uh, are you watching it, Caleb? 
I'm not caught up. I'm surrounded by imbeciles. Um, that, so there's this character for for all the listeners who are like like there's ten dudes right now just going yes it's Bob but Bob is just the, this kid from upstairs in accounts who just he's just always around walking around doing helpful <laughs> shit for people nice. just always there just nice. like just like hey Joan would you like me to carry those bags for you <laughs> and then it's like and it's like creepy at first and then you're like oh he's, exactly he's there yeah. and so but the point is like he. Caleb, you knew your, you knew this space. You knew who Chris was. You knew who JD Roth was. You knew because you just did the work. You're, you're actually, not only did you do the work, but you had on the first end of the work was this desire to figure out these answers. I wonder how to do this and if this was really what you wanted to do. You know what I mean? Like, like, and so you're Bob and you, and everybody else from account stays upstairs and they just do their work. But Bob keeps coming down and he keeps bringing coffee to Don and he keeps, you know, just being there to help out the way that you mm-hmm. were at Gilbo's thing, the way that you put your video up on JD Roth. I love that as, as an example for, for this because that's exactly what I would recommend people to do. Not to, you know, famously, there's a thing in Start a Blog That Matters. It's like, hey, here's how to introduce yourself to, to other bloggers. Yeah. Um, and Scott Dinsmore gets like, 10 of these emails a week or something like that. And he, he sort of sends us little, little emails every now and again yeah. saying like, thanks, thanks for the, thanks for another one. <laughs> but, but like, so there's, there's, and you got to learn how to like, you know, you got, Bob got totally pushed off by, by Don the first time. He's like, get away from me, kid. You know what I mean? But eventually it's like, this kid isn't going anywhere. And I actually do want a cup of coffee. Yeah, give me the cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah, so Bob just, Bob just had two cups of coffee. Exactly. He always had two cups. You know what I mean? Can we uh, can we let Caleb finish his story now? Boy, as you can see, <laughs> we're recording a little earlier in the day, folks, and I'm quite well caffeinated. You're a little lubed up. This is this is the uh, this is coffee chase instead of cocktail chase. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Well, because every every string I land on, I'm like, yeah, I landed like, on a string. This is the amazing. This is it. I got it. <laughs> oh, guy, we got it. It's alive. Caleb, it is not even noon yet. What's happening over here? I don't know. It's out of control. <laughs> it is but, out of no, control. But, I'm worried for your safety, <laughs> Corbett. But but the point being, I, I really do resonate. I see that in your story, Caleb, and I just think it's so it's such a poignant picture on some what what so many people can take away from it. There's so many people in that mode. Like I want to start this thing, and maybe I've already started this thing, or maybe I. And it's just like you you had the thing set up. You were just figuring it out as you went. You know what I mean, and that's that's mm-hmm. what landed you where you are now. And let's let's get to where where you, how you connect the dot from there to here. Well, I think the next biggest thing was so I went to World Domination Summit in June of that year. So about six months after I started my blog, and I was able to meet all these people that I had been commenting on their blogs, tweeting them. I could hear them speak. I could get a drink with them, stuff like that. Yeah. One of them being Corbett, mm. and so Corbett then met me in person and. Shortly after that was when Corbett opened up a application for a part-time job, and I applied to it. Hey, I'm Caleb, the tracksuit guy. Remember me? <laughs> <laughs> there were no tracksuits involved. I don't uh, think. I, I love this. I love he, this. Theme, he is. I'm not he letting is go like. Of it. He is like at least three quarters of a foot taller than I am, though. <laughs> yeah, he's a big boy. He's a big boy. So you met him at WDS again. Another situation where you buy the ticket and you go there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, so what's going through your mind? You're, um, so you, you were in my traffic school program, which wasn't cheap. You went to WDS, which wasn't cheap. Like, what's going through your mind? Why are you spending this money? And you were a frugal guy at the time, right? You were trying to... Yeah, and I was really close to getting married, too. So we were saving to get married. I got married July of 2011, right before I started working with you and right after WDS. So in this time frame, you know, my wife doesn't like her job at all. She gets laid off like a couple months before the wedding. I'm trying to figure out what I want to do if this blogging entrepreneurship thing's going to work. And so both of us together were having these, you know, life crises essentially. What do we want to do with our life? What field do we want to plant crops in like Chase is talking about? So like through that whole 6 to 7 months leading up to our wedding of that year, we were both talking about this stuff constantly and trying to decide what we wanted to do. And so I went to this conference. I figured out, okay, these these are my people. Like, this is what I want to do with myself. And I drove home that night after the closing party to Seattle. It was about a three-hour drive. I left at like two in the morning, got back at like five, slept for like 30 minutes, and then went straight to work. (laughs) I remember that. You you had to leave Sunday night or whatever. Yeah. And so I drove home and 
I had to start work at like seven in the morning at Boeing. But on that drive, I recorded myself talking about like all these things that were in my head after going to this conference. And then I transcribed them all during like a lunch break or something. And I put up the post like the day after World Domination Summit. Yeah. And then Chris Gillibo wrote a post like I think on Tuesday that had this lengthy quote from my post like about my experience at World Domination Summit, why I went and stuff like that. So it sent tons of people to my site and I kind of saw then it was like, okay, I see how blogging works and traffic works and how I can grow an audience and how to connect with the right people. And I was like, okay, let's, let's give this everything. And then shortly after that, the part-time job with Corbett just was kind of like that catalyst that enabled me to do it faster and to leave my job quicker. So was that night when you were driving home, was that like the most like energetic, crazy mind experience of your life? And that, and that period that happened right there? I would say yes, but I wish I would have had a little bit more energy. I had to pull over at rest stops to do push-ups to like keep myself awake. <laughs> That's how tired I was. <laughs> I, I can picture that being like, you know, equally fused like with, with excitement and, and fear and sorrow. You know what I mean? I've been in those stages where you're like, holy crap, is this what I'm really going to Yeah, do? and everything I knew about my life is like different yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, and I love those. And I, to, to everybody listening, you know, when you're having that, maybe you're having that moment right now. But like, you know, when you have that moment, like good stuff happens from that. These are the moments that define who we are as people. And, and like my buddy Don, who wrote the book A Million Miles in a Thousand Years, would say like, what you're discovering there is your, your character in this movie and what he or she wants. Yeah. And the question is, what obstacles will you have to... Because every movie is a character something they overcoming want. obstacles <laughs> yeah. to get something they want. Right. So if you look at it, Caleb is our char- main character here, and he's like, what do I want? The, the trouble is he doesn't really know exactly what he wants. And what we've learned at WDS, if we've got a little more clarity about it. We're learning how this... We're seeing a bunch of people who are putting their asses on the line to do this blogging and work from anywhere kind of thing, right? And mm. then and, and, and hearing them talk about how they did it. And so you've got a lot of tactics and all this other stuff going through your mind. But mostly it's the people that you're like, this seems like it's doable. And you say, I think I have a little bit more clarity now about... Or you feel like you have a little more clarity. Like it's, it's You can't ignore it. Yeah. And that's what's sitting there like a... I don't know, like like some... Like some mafia boss in the room that just walked in and just said, which way are you going to go, pal? You know what I mean? And it's like someone that you're not comfortable with. Yeah, but most of us don't make that decision ever. Yeah. We don't really know what we want. Yeah. You know, we never we, we never put a stake in the ground because there is all that fear and scary shit that happens afterwards. Mm-hmm. So. What I love to hear is that you and Jen were having these kinds of questions at the same time, too. For, for me, my wife was just like, she was a pretty successful real estate agent. I, I just only re- ever remember her as that. You know what I mean? And she had this career. Like we were looking, she would be doing the same exact thing in 30 years, according to our plan, you know, three years ago. You yeah. know what I mean? And for you, with Jesse Corbett, she uh, classically trained in art and all this other stuff. She knows where she wants to go. She wants to go in, into, you know, part of the reason Since why she was 10. Yeah. Or something. Part of yeah. the reason why you're here in San Francisco instead of up in Portland yeah. is because the art scene here, yeah. there isn't that in Portland. Right. You know? Um, and so I could picture you having, you know, my wife is sort of a rock in that sense. Like she's just smarter than me. And here yeah. I am like a 30 year old little boy. Yeah. Wondering Not who sure I want to be do. when I grow totally. up. Totally. So Caleb, I want to hear a little bit because there's a, there's a theme going here. Chase started it yesterday talking about the apprenticeship period and, and, you know, studying and, and working with someone, you know, and I know that there was a, a real transition point for you there. You weren't even sure if you wanted to work with someone else. And then, you know, I had this opportunity, a bunch of people mm-hmm. applied and, and you clearly rose to the top and I'm really glad that you applied and, and we've been working together for two years now. But um, in your mind, did you see yourself as sort of the the lone wolf, you know, blogger kind of guy like the Chris Gillibo and, and how did that transition happen? Well, I think that everyone starts to see themselves that way because all the people that you're looking up to are do-it-yourselfers or they don't have a team like maybe they have vas or they have employees or something but it's like them yeah Yeah. like they are the personal brand but then like once the opportunity came up with you like i started to think okay now i started to see all these teams of things that were doing good stuff you know people like 37 signals and you know like steve jobs always had was and so Mm -hmm. it's like and johnny ivy 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you so you start to see like it's not one person that does everything. Yeah, yeah, and, the and tech, so that's in where the tech that transition startup came world, from. it's very much partners and and you know teams. And I think mm-hmm. we're we. It's interesting because we we keep coming back to this. You know, the, who you're looking at. You know, the Gillibos for me. Who was I looking at? I don't. Know, who were you looking at, Corbett, when you were starting up? Did you were you? Um, I definitely read a lot of Chris Gillibo stuff. I started blogging about six months after he did, or okay. so, or a year after he did, and and he was he was kind of big on the scene at the time. I don't think. I mean, I I knew of Thesis. Uh-huh. I was at Blog World. So I knew of Thesis, which means I should probably know some of the players in that world. But I really don't remember. Like, I didn't know about Pat or Chris or... Yeah. I was just kind of yeah, in my Pat own... Flynn was a big influence for me, too. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I listen to, like, his podcast all the time on my commute. Yeah. So, all right. So, I mean, does that bring us kind of full circle here? I think there's one other story that's kind of interesting is... So, got married in July... Um. I was going to start working full or part-time with Corbett when I came back from my honeymoon in August. And, you know, my wife and I just kept pushing off like these major life decisions, like quit your job kind of things till after the wedding. Yeah. And so we got back from the honeymoon. We go and we get a hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars and we go to a park and we sit down. Hot and ready. Yeah. Yeah. And we're like, okay, what do we want to do with our life? And so within the span of a week, Jen had been planning to go to graduate school for art history. She had gotten a full ride from UW offered to her. Corbett's job came in and I got offered that job. And I was about to get some stock from Boeing, you know, tons of shares. It would have been a good nest egg for us to to make the leap. And so we sat down and we had this park moment. And this would be another one of those moments, like driving back from WDS the first time that like shifted my life. And that's when we decided, all right, let's risk it. Let's let's do it. Yeah. And so I went on with Corbett. She turned down the full ride at UW to do photography full time. I basically put in my notice at my job saying I'm leaving in four weeks or so. And so I left Boeing. We packed up all our stuff. We drove to San Diego. I worked on the road for three months. My wife and I traveled for three months on the road around the US, started our marriage. That's when I started working with Corbett and kind of working wow. on that sense. So w- that train that traveling around like w- if there's one thing that you pull out of that experience working this whole new fresh life scenario with your new bride what would it be? Probably connecting with people. So while I was on the road I was also reaching out, you know, to Corbett and other people I knew like do you know anybody in Chicago? Do you know anybody in New York City? Do you know anybody hmm. in Austin or something? Yeah. And I just tried to keep that connection that I felt at WDS going with all these people that I knew online. And every time we met those people, it was kind of a good reminder of like why we were doing this. Mm-hmm. Because then we would be with other friends or people that we knew through family that would be in a traditional career or job, and they just, it just they didn't have the spark yeah. that all these other entrepreneurial-type people had. Mm. And so it was a great reminder in all these different cities to know that we made the right decision, yeah. even if it was going to be hard. And so that was how long ago? That you were that, that you was, got back, that you were doing that trip about a year and a half ago, almost two years. Do you now. feel like you've made the right decision now? Yeah, I would definitely make the same one again. Nice, nice. You did good, Corbett. You found a good one. <laughs> Thanks. He's the keeper. He's a keeper. <laughs> He's the <a> keeper. <laughs> okay. Well, Caleb, thank you for walking us through that because now what I you know what what sticks to me is that car ride on the way to WDS. It's like this poignant moment where like I can, I mean, I can, you could write a movie around that scene. You know what I mean? And that would be about... <laughs> Maybe I will. To about, you know, three quarters into it. This is the climactic moment where the character's like, you know what? <laughs> you know what would be awesome? A movie, imagine, where it just starts with the guy getting in his car, driving home, like, and he's, he's like doing this crazy shit in the car, like taking notes, audio notes, whatever, writing stuff, yeah. and then having to get out and do push-ups. It's the middle of the night, and you have no <laughs> idea why he's doing it. It's a short film. Yeah. And then he gets home, opens the door to his wife, and goes... I'm quitting my job tomorrow. <laughs> there we go. Let's get Adam Somebody Baker on it. the phone. Let's make it. <laughs> um, so thanks for walking us through that. that that's, yeah, absolutely. That was, that, I, do, I have learned more about you. I like it. And, I, and I'm, to be honest, I always like track shoots, suits too. You know, I like the track suits and maybe I'll go get some. <laughs> You'd look good in one. I think actually. I thought you said some. Like you're going to buy multiple no, track suits. No, well, I want to get fizzle orange track suit. That's, I went to a, a tracksuit pub crawl one time in Seattle, and I bought a full-on 
a full Fully on in Seattle, a full on orange and white Sean John velour tracksuit. <laughs> I, like, I bought it from Macy's. I love you walking into a room full of people in tracksuits. Like, hey, is this the right spot? Am I in the so, right place? So get this. So we we show up with like twenty people to all these different pubs. Oh jeez. The next week, one of the pubs that we'd gone to had a piece of paper hung in the window that said no tracksuits. <laughs> oh god. Okay, so let's switch gears here. Um, this is the final episode of our launch week where where we did the first two episodes on finding your voice, one of the one of what we believe is the biggest topics in this kind of, you know, entrepreneurial space, whether you're writing or whether you're ta- you or making videos or doing whatever. Finding out, you know, your you-ness is why we we started there because it's a, it's such a big deal to us. And I think it's it's one of the essential things in all of these subsequent three stories where we interviewed and got to know Corbett, myself, and Caleb. And so this is the last one. We want to tell, maybe for the next five, ten minutes, share a little bit about what what our thoughts are about this podcast, where we want to go with it, what you can expect from it, and answer the question about, like, why why is it called The Fizzle Show? What's fizzle? Doesn't fizzle mean a bad thing? So let's start there. Corbett, doesn't fizzle mean, like, like you, you failed? Like, look at Caleb, can you find the di- dictionary definition of fizzle sure. really quick? Because... It's sort of oh yeah, I remember it from our from our video. It means yeah to like fail to fail weekly. in a weak and disappointing way. Exactly is what Webster says about it. So fizzle so, means that. Yeah. Okay. So so here's here's the easiest way to sum up our thoughts on naming this company. You could say the same about Monster or Yahoo or Virgin or Caterpillar. That those names are have negative connotations towards whatever the thing they're actually naming is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why would you want your airline pilot to be a virgin, right? Why yeah. would you want a job from a monster? Yeah. Why would you want to drive a caterpillar or on a big job? Why site? would you want to get technology information from a Yahoo? Exactly. So the point I just that just can I literally never even thought about that. I never even connected the two between for Yahoo. Like yeah, Yahoo means like a crazy person, like a silly silly sort of not trustworthy person. And we all it has a second meaning, which so does fizzle, which is like Yahoo excitement, you know? Yeah, exactly. Interesting. So, so we all forget easily that Yahoo was a derogatory term. You didn't want to be a Yahoo, yeah. but they, they used it and now it's all part of our vernacular and you just think it's that company name, yeah, right? Interesting. So the point of a name isn't to describe what you do. It is to stand out and sort of put a stake in the ground and, and talk about what you stand for. Yeah. You know what I mean? And make sure that people remember your name going forward. So for us, when we looked at creating this sort of... By the of, way, I can't wait for your Fizzle course on naming. Yeah. Because working with Corbett through naming Fizzle specifically, it was such a cool experience because the guy just, you know a lot. You've read a lot on naming and then you taught me frankly even though i'd been in agencies and naming stuff is really really important you taught me a lot about how important it actually ends up being and and that there's you don't have to come up with something out of scratch like there's a lot of studies on naming stuff yeah there's a lot of studies best practices and a lot of people you know there's different ways the pendulum can swing and Mm -hmm. a lot of people just say oh i'm just gonna make up a word you know and there are negatives to that and then there are other people that say i'm gonna do something that describes our company because then when they hear it, they'll know what it means. Yeah. You know? Or when they search Google, it'll show up mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. So there's all kinds of different things. So the reason we chose Fizzle is that this is what we see most businesses do. We see them yeah. fizzle out, right? Mm-hmm. So we want that to be top of mind for us, frankly, so that whenever we think about Fizzle and what we're trying to do, we're trying to help people prevent from fizzling out so yeah. that their business actually goes on to become something. Now our job is to imbue that word with additional meaning. And this is where... Chase, you sort of took this idea, this yeah. fizzle name that I had, and kind of ran with it, and and you have new meaning for it, and you tied it together with the design and the logo and all that kind of stuff. So maybe talk about what the second part yeah. of the name is. So when I think fizzle, immediately I heard, I, I didn't really know that there's this formal name, or this, it really meant something that about like you know, failing in a weak and disappointing way. Um, I always thought of it as like, as, as uh, sort of the buzz and crackle of electricity in some mm-hmm. ways, you know, and it was sort of fizzling. Like I, I, for some reason I always thought of like a steak, like a, like a really great ribeye on a hot piece of cast iron. Which is actually sizzling. Yeah. Fizzling. Which is sizzling. Yeah. Right. So I always had this m- confusion in my head, yeah. but, but that's what ended up leading me towards focusing on the electric part. And the truth is I re- heard, I read somewhere that the con, the, the, um, the actual word, and I don't know if this is true, dear re- listeners, so maybe maybe if you know, let us know, that uh, it actually 
it started in the the word fizzle started in the nuclear age, and it des- yeah. to describe the way that the nuclear uh, bombs that they were testing would so it, the 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 explosion would eke out over time, or the radiation would eke out over time and and die off over time. Um, yeah, it's like a failed nuclear weapon experience. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Or okay. so. Which means there was something there. The point that was that, that was the big story. There's, yeah, there's something there that fizzled for something. I, to what fizzle. I say is like there was a big fucking bomb that just exploded. <laughs> yeah, and you're talking about how it's dying off. You know, yeah. what I mean? meaning, and so it was this perfect little metaphor for me of the entrepreneur who's got all this energy and enthusiasm and excitement and potential, and we see so many of them just. Yeah, try out the thing. Like I'm working at Boeing, I'm trying out this stuff on the side, and it just never picks up. Yeah. Or or they or they do the thing and they go whole hog into it, and it's just like yeah, I just couldn't figure it out. And it because it's really tough stuff. And all of us have gone through it so many yeah. times. We've all fizzled out with businesses that we've tried, and and it's a it's a natural thing to do. But um, we hope that by listening to this show and and sort of putting attaching yourself to our world, yeah. however you do that that you're going to hear from stories of people who have done it. You're going to realize the difference between being successful and fizzling out isn't necessarily all that magical or difficult. A lot of times it's like you heard from Caleb today. It's about putting yourself out there in public and then showing up at places where you can actually meet people. Because meeting people and participating in mastermind groups and doing all this stuff keeps you motivated and moving forward because a lot of people just try to operate in a vacuum. They sit there in their their office, home office, their wife or spouse or whoever yeah. doesn't think that what they're doing is worthwhile. They can't tell their friends about it. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're going to fizzle out if you don't tell the world about what you're yeah. trying to do and yeah. you know that sort of thing. Yeah. So that's where the that's what the name represents. It represents the fact that most small businesses fizzle out. The, the percentages are pretty crazy about this. Yeah. You know. That most small businesses fizzle out, and what we want to do is talk about the difference. What makes what makes the difference between a business fizzling out and a a, a founder of a business, you know, buzzing, crackling, and cough <clears throat> fizzling with electricity, energy, enthusiasm, and and the joy. Because to me, this this small time entrepreneur stuff, and I call it small time. It can get as big as you want, but I mean. This is this is my art. Like I love that my business is my art. Like I'm creating, I'm educating, I'm doing these things. Like that's the way we should feel. Like, it's possible to feel about your income, you know. But whatever whatever generates your income for you, it, it, there's more opportunity than ever to make money on the side or as your as your solo gig, doing something you actually care about, as opposed to something that matters to the world. Staring at a you know private monitor with the screen at Boeing somewhere or doing something like that. If it's a soul sucking thing, you know, yeah. I know you like hate corporations. You're like, ah, screw them. And I'm kind of like, well, I think the goal is that like, you know, more, the corporations get better, you know what I mean? And sure. it's more enjoyable to work at them and there's yeah. things like that. But, um, but for those who like, like all three of us just kind of had that hunger mm-hmm. and that something, like something was out of whack inside and we forced us to ask these questions. Who am I? What am I here for? What kind of field do I want to be plowing? That's exact. You're the person where you're the only person we're literally talking to. Yeah, and we're going to show up every week here and and um, tell everyone what we know our experiences have been. Yeah, give them. And I'm glad that there are three of us on this show because it it adds some differences between Absolutely. us. Right? If it was just we're, me, can you imagine? Oh. Just like oh, I don't know, I'll just paint everything black. Not nah, change it. Let's do it red now. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, so we'll give our experiences and then, you know, we'll have insights from other people. We're going to yep. answer people's questions. We're going to do all kinds of stuff. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, so as listeners, I mean, you're you don't have any contract with us, but you're whatever. We want you to obviously enjoy this information and use it. But also tell us what you like, what you don't like. Yeah. You know, when you listen to the show, if there's something you wish, wish that we would cover more, mm-hmm. let us know. You can leave us a review. You can email us support mm-hmm. at fizzle.co mm-hmm. um you can tweet us whatever we're we're out there and available so yeah and and we should i should like like let me mention that like this podcast supports uh is really kind of where things are starting it's coming into being the place where things start for us you know from here we'll generate ideas that we want to turn into blog posts and into fizzle courses because because mm-hmm. a lot of the work that we've done over the past year developing fizzle.co our premium sort of training thing um which we're kind of trying not to talk too much about because we don't want this to feel like a pitch you know it's what i mean it's not a pitch it's, yeah so but like we've done a lot of work developing that brand and developing the mission for that and it's been a lot more than just like huh how do we make sales it's really been about like corbett caleb 
Chase, what do you guys want to do for the next 10 years? You know what I mean? And that's where this podcast fits right in tune with because this is the mission, you know, this is the uh, this is the existential crisis I came to a while ago where it's like this is the I have to pick up pick a crew and serve them for the rest of my days. Yep. As far as I as best to the best of my ability and as far as I know. And this is the crew. Like I, I love the entrepreneurial thing. I love the fire and the the combination between creativity and commerce. I feel like it it, it I'm I've never really been like I'm like I'm looking at this beautiful modern art thing that your wife made Corbett and I'm like I love that. I could I'm, I but I've never been like the that that kind of artist. I always wanted to see if I could get more people to like it, you know what I mean? In, in, in a way, whereas she, I see the typical artist or, or the, the, the stand, not standard, what I mean, the classical artist as like, this is the way I see the world, take it or leave it. You know what I mean? And, and I've always loved that as well. But like, for me, this is something that, that, that we're just going all in on. Like we've mentioned, we're going to call the podcast all in because we had come to the decision that like, these are the people we're going to serve. Yep. For the rest of, as far as we can tell for the rest of our days. We're here for you. So, we love hearing the feedback. We're really grateful for it. Uh, thank you all for, for, for mentioning things. Thanks for this wonderful launch week, making us the number one business podcast and all, all that stuff. Uh, we're, we're fired up, but we're more interested in like how many of you are still listening in a year. <laughs> Hopefully this. <laughs> Let's just start with next week. Uh, maybe next week. Let's just start with next week. Show, so, show Caleb, up next week. Caleb, what are, what, are our, what are our episodes that are going to be coming up in the next few weeks? So let's pull up a couple. Let's see here. So the one coming next week is Lifestyle Business for Startups. Yeah, this is where we get into. Oh, that's some, a good one. So yeah, I think it's some, some good. What, the pejorative Mexican is what we call that one. Is that it, right? <laughs> it might. Yeah, it might be. I think it is. I think that's the one where we yeah, talk about the fix, Mexican fishing barrel. <laughs> so that's hilarious. I love that. Okay, and then after that, then we have: Can anyone really do this? Choosing and vetting uh-huh. your idea. By the way, can anyone really do this? The the entrepreneur. Can anyone be an entrepreneur? Is what yep. we're getting at there. The vetting ideas is is really good stuff. Like. uh how I think you, that's my favorite one we've recorded so far. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It was good. Okay, good. So we've got a lot of good stuff coming. This is just the beginning. We're really pleased to have you in as a uh, early adopter. As like, a charter listener. I, I was at, I, You'll I was get at, your tote bag in the mail. Exactly. <laughs> I was at uh, coffee with a buddy this morning. I literally like downloaded the Apple podcasting app and like, put Fizzle on there. And I was like, I'd really like to know what you think. <laughs> <laughs> so I have been Chase Wardman-Reeves. I've been Corbett Barr. And I've been Caleb Lawrence Wojcik. Chase always Whoa! says his middle name. So I thought I'd throw Lawrence. it out. Oh, I love that. <laughs> nice job. So there you have it. The name fizzle because something huge exploded back there <laughs> i really loved getting to know caleb in this conversation i hope you did too the, the picture of him driving at 2 a.m pitch black he's doing push-ups to stay awake and recording a voice note about all the things he learned and what it's going to mean in his life and career and stuff it's classic it's classic it's like a john hughes movie who would you who would you cast as the role of caleb Caleb's story highlighted uh, some good tips, I think. You know, number one, like, you know, just start and learn as you go. Don't get everything just perfect. Number two, put yourself in the places where the people you dig are. He was meeting the Gillibos and, the, and these kinds of guys. And then, and then put yourself out there, like the video competition that he did. And then finally, go, go all in. Like, be like Bob from Mad Men, which I thought was a particularly poignant reference. <laughs> Anyways... We didn't get a chance to answer listener questions today. If you'd like us to answer your question on the air, please leave us an honest rating in iTunes and include your question there. It doesn't cost you much, and it means the world to us because it tells iTunes that you want to hear more of this. So simply search iTunes store for The Fizzle Show and click write a review. <clears throat> so that is what it's like to launch a podcast and release a new episode every single day for a week. Uh, to be honest, I, I actually really liked it. If I didn't have to act, make actual money to buy my kids some actual gluten-free crackers, I'd totally actually be doing this every single day. Uh, but uh, I'm going to switch gears and not podcast every single day. Uh, we're going to be releasing a new uh, episode next Thursday, I believe, and I'm going to head into the studio to make a fizzle course for blog founders who want to have great design. Head to fizzleshow.com. That's where you can find all of your Fizzle Show info. 
If you haven't yet, enter your email there and we can get in touch with you when we have things to share, like another Corbett Bar karaoke recording. Closer I am That's all from me. That's all from Launch Week. We'll see you next Thursday. May you, uh, may you soon find yourself in one of those driving at 2 a.m., doing push-ups to stay awake, recording an audio note about the scary things you're about to change in your career and life kind of moment. Thanks.